Ben Harbor, Michigan is a unique place on the lake that is home to less than 10,000 people with the hearts of 1 million. From the outside looking in, there's a strong emphasis on place. The location on the lake and easy access to I-94. But this series focuses on the people and their view of leadership, influence, and power, and how it impacts the 49022. So we are glad to welcome you to this special series of the Please Do Tell podcast around stories from the people of Benton Harbor. And today we're talking with Uriah, who is one of our researchers that was out, I would say, in these streets, getting these stories. So Uriah, we're happy to have you here with us today. I'm excited to be here. This is so cool. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, I am a longtime Benton Harbor resident. Um, I went to school at Benton Harbor Countryside Academy. Woo, woo, go Cougars. Um, I went to LMC. I uh, then started working here, uh, doing community work. Uh, I worked for the Benton Harbor Promise at one point. Uh, just doing so many things. Uh, then I got involved in politics and uh, started doing campaign, organizing and campaign work. Then shifted into a more uh, public health, public uh, organizing type thing. So, yeah, and we're just rocking with it and seeing where it goes. I just want to make my community a better place. Yay. So why did you decide to be a part of this project? Well, I think... Uh, I kind of almost just <laughs> went into that. I really just want to make my community a better place. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that should start with the hood. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I know that you did quite a few interviews, but we're only going to be um, hearing from maybe one or two today. But can you tell me... Um, First, why you chose to, I guess, have a conversation, because we're just going to jump right into it. Why did you decide to have a conversation with Kristen? So Kristen is someone that I've known for a really long time. Um, I grew up in church, and she's one of those people that uh, everyone can kind of look up to. She was a, a praise and worship leader. Uh, she just seems like one of those people who always kind of just know. So I wanted to have a conversation with her, get her perspective. And she also works in the healthcare um, field. So I'm like, she sees a lot of people. I know she uh, volunteered at one point at the Benton Harbor High School Health um, Center, I think it's called. So she got some cool stories from that. So I just wanted to hear her perspective. And she lives in the heart of the city, Empire. Oh, wow. Yeah, she is in the heart of the city. So even from the notes that I was taking from um, her interview, being in the heart of the city, she sees a lot. She hears a lot. She's like really in the thick of everything. So I want to hear from her when she talks about, because, you know, we're talking about influence. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about power. But being in the actual city, you're around a lot of the young people. And I know she talks about even, it seems like at the very beginning of your conversation about influence and the influence of young people. So let's hear what she has to say when she's talking about that. 
Alrighty. Or the gas station, and it seems like because they had nothing else to do, and probably have nothing else to do, that they, um, you know, a couple of them decided this was a good thing to do, and everybody else follow suit so do you believe that there's a lot of pressure that comes along with being one of those quote-unquote leaders or influencers in this community a lot of pressure yeah no because i think the pressure would come if they actually were trying to do something positive um so no no i wouldn't say pressure because of the drag racing yeah the front porch has been redone, I think, at least three times within the last five years. Because this is what happens. Ooh, um, and, okay. So myself, I can definitely identify with, um, I guess, being around young people that are driving and even working with young people and asking them questions of, you know, have have you taken the driver's test? Whose car is this? Why are they letting you get this car? Have you even sat in a class <laughs> to, to go over the basics of learning how to drive? But it's like, I, I'm also questioning a lot of the adults that throw them the keys. And then it's just like, mm-hmm. just figure it out. Because yeah. it's not all of them that are still in these cars or, you know, or they don't think of it as still. And I'm borrowing the car. Um, well, RJ, one of the things that they do, uh, they have people rent the cars for them. So they go and rent cars, and do whatever in the cars, total the cars, and it's in that next person's name. So then we that next person accures debt because they don't have to pay for that car because it's in their name. It's just a vicious cycle of foolishness, honestly, to put it quite frankly. And it's so funny that we're starting with this conversation because this is what we saw during the pandemic, like a lot of it, a Mm -hmm. lot of it. But Kristen is even saying like basically this, and even you're saying that this isn't something that's new if this person's porch has been replaced so many times we're talking about years of this so it's like how do you even break that cycle Mm -hmm. what do you do i think kristen mentioned it uh in one of the uh or part of the interview she was talking about how there's not much to do in the city Mm -hmm. and that they need something to do so if they actually had i don't know jobs (laughs) if i when i was working i didn't have time to race up and down the street yeah i didn't have time to drag race with my friends like i didn't have time to do that uh and i mentioned the porch but it's not just the porch i know in front of kristen's house there used to be a tree there the tree is no longer there because so many people have ran into it that's, and that's crazy scary. just to even think about yeah i was reading a study that was talking about how uh in urban communities like ours most people don't even have driver's license. Mm-hmm. And that is crazy because everybody's driving. And not just the kids. It's, it's like you said, it's the adults mm-hmm. too. It's a lot of adults that are driving without a license. And so the kids also think, well, I mean, 
they're not legit. So I don't necessarily have to be legit. But my also my question is, um, and I feel like we talked about it before, is where is the police presence? Like, is what's being done about that, or do it does that lead to like even I guess inner city? like the chases, the police chase within the city, because it's such a small city, such a small street. But yeah, I, I guess I just, I, I, I get so upset and it's almost like I'm one person, what can I do? But more people need to speak up about what they've been seeing. And that's why I'm really glad that even Kristen is even talking about the, the influence when it comes to young people, because they are watching a lot of what we're doing. Yeah. And it's just like I said a little while ago, it's a vicious cycle because so they're driving without a license and they get pulled over. So now or they're they, the police try and find or get them at least. And then they start chasing. It's a police chase. So now there's other people being put in danger mm-hmm. down the streets and they're going down streets like Lincoln. Um, I talked to someone named Chelsea and uh, she was reference actually a police chase that happened on her street and that's not a a big street at all that's a residential street they're doing chases through areas like that so then other people are in danger now you go into jail for sure if you don't get in a car accident or Mm -hmm. harm someone else in a car accident and now you're going to have to pay all those fines from all of that and then if you don't have the money to get bailed out now you're in a cash bail system like it's a whole a whole messed up system. It really is. That all could have been prevented by driver's ed classes. And that gives somebody something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that my boss has even talked about it before trying to offer, I guess, free um, driver's ed classes through the club. Hopefully that's something that will Mm -hmm. actually come sooner Mm -hmm. than later. Um, because I mean, it's also the cost of paying for driver's ed. I mean, we joke about my friends and I, I think mm-hmm. we were like in probably one of the last driver's ed classes at Ben Harbor high school. And that was like $30, mm. $30. And I think it was like $30 for phase two and then $30 for the driver's test. So I said, I was out of $90 to get my license at 16. But I look at my other friends that didn't make it into the last, but they had to pay like three something for the class. Yeah. And it's like, can you afford that? And then people wait, wait until after 18 because it's cheaper and you don't have to take the driver's ed class at that point. But then number one, they still can't drive RJ. Mm-hmm. And number two, what happens is it's grown folks now at this point. Um, one of my friends right now, I think she's 24, still taking the driver's ed test, RJ. But but she's driving. And these are people like who are educated, RJ. Not just, you know, out here doing whatever. No, she's in, in school, all of that. But yet, and still, just, just now take, but it's an access thing as well. Because yeah. you had to think about it. You just mentioned how it's $90 to do, uh, or was $90 then. It's 80 now to take the test. And that's if you pass it the first time. Because oh if there's anything wrong with the car now, you you fail automatically. I think uh, 
my first time, I think my grandmother, I used my grandmother's car and uh, I think there was a light out or something. So they turned me around a whole nother $80. So that's 160 right there. And then I think the second time I took it, what happened? Oh my gosh. Um, something else happened the second time. So then I had to go back again. So you see how easily and how quickly that could rack up. So, I mean, I, I don't, I blame the system, but I also, it, we need to take personal responsibility as well, though. Yeah. I could talk about this topic all day because when we actually had, um, before the pandemic, we had a sheriff that was actually, um, she was a part of the club staff and Mm-hmm. she would actually sit down and have these conversations with them about, Hey, um, your parents, the car that you're driving, the tag thing, right? Like I need you to take that car home and someone needs to get, I mean, and then you look around and it's like, well, shoot, is my, is mine up today? You, you know, you really started to think like, okay, I really need to be the example for these kids, even though I mean my stuff was up yeah. to date, but still, it's like <laughs> <laughs> you you really think about they are watching everything that we do. I mean, it's not just just the little kids. I'm like, it's teens. They're watching everything we do. They're like, if this person, if Miss RJ can get away with it, I can too. Yep. And Kristen referenced that in um, the interview as well, how they're literally soaking up every little thing we do. Um, And I actually have a clip of one of the things that she was talking about, kind of how we, the grandparents and their parents, so like uh, uh, my mom and then my grandmother, they're still trying to do what the young people are doing. So then there's mm-hmm. nobody there to really kind of reel them in, if you will. Um, let's see. And then, you know, you have grandparents that are still trying to do what the kids, what the, what their kids are doing. And now, you know, what does the, the grandchild have to look up, look up to? I don't know if I'm making sense, but I don't see. I, the family is definitely important. It always has been. I feel that now I don't think this has it. And that just says it all right there, RJ. Because there's the lack of the the grandparents and the mom being able to properly raise them because they're still trying to do whatever they're trying to do. It goes back into the conversation we were just having. This is why there's nobody there to be like, hey, what are you doing in my car? Why do you why are you driving my car like a bat out of hell for lack of better, you know, yeah. <laughs> like what is really happening here? But the grandparents are out here having turning up too, right along with them, along with the parents. Matter of fact, the mom might be in the car, the uh, passenger seat. To be honest, it's just like you said, they're driving these cars without the tags. I feel like they knew them tags were expired when they put their kids in the car. <laughs> they knew. And not only did they know, but they know they didn't take them to no driver's ed classes. So mm-hmm. we know, they they know, and it's a unfortunately, and this is I think the overarching theme of all of this, a lack of community. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's 
a household community, um, structured household community, or the community as a greater whole. Um, you mentioned the sheriff that worked for the Boys and Girls Club. That's part of that community, holding each mm-hmm. other accountable. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, in our family dynamics, there's not so much of that being held accountable because, again, the grandparent, and it kind of starts when we start having kids super young. Because uh, let's see, I know someone, I think she's like 32, maybe 32, 33, somewhere in there. She has a 17 year old son who has two kids and I think a third on the way. And that's not, I'm not um, knocking them at all or what they're doing at all, but I am saying that she's still young. So she still has a whole life to live. Like she still wants to do her do her as she should. She should not have been forced into the nursing home already or forced into the uh, babysitter role already because she should still be out here traveling and living her best life. As should he. But instead, kids are being parents now and it just messes up the whole structure of it all. It's almost asking the question of who are the leaders and are we only identifying leadership when it comes to a title? Because it's like, we can't just say it's just the mayor, it's our pastor, it's our it's our bosses. But it's like, it's parents too. I'm like, as a mother, that's a title as well. As a mm-hmm. father, that's a title as well. As Miss RJ, I carry a title at work. So it's like, it comes with, responsibility and yeah Kristen um, mentioned that as well and it's so crazy because this is all a part of conversations that we I think we all have similar views on it but we don't have the conversations with one another yeah so we don't really know yeah I'll play this clip real quick and then we can you know influences just because um my I had pretty good influences at home as far as, you know, I had both parents. Um, My mother was a homemaker and, you know, she took very good care of us. She um, actually was a stay-at-home mom by the time I came along and she had all the meals prepared, lunches ready to go, and a father that came home every night and from work and we said grace at the table and all that good stuff. So, um, and then, you know, we went to church regularly. And so I had those <clears throat> influences as well. So I really didn't look out of the home for influences. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like, again, right back to the family structure. Uh, and I, I can say that Kristen is doing pretty well for herself because of that family structure there wasn't and as she said she didn't have to look outside of her home for those influences um i think we mentioned it at the beginning of this conversation the um strength that social media has on the young people the influence the that's where they're looking to for influence that's where they're looking to for um leadership because unfortunately um parents have to work yeah and that's if there's two parents. I know um, Kristen and her husband both work now, but and she didn't. She came from a home where only one parent worked, 
because times were different, of course, then. Yeah. So, you know, you didn't really need to. Um, <laughs> but now there's two parents working. And imagine if there's only one parent in the house. So now they have to hold up the standard for two parents. Mm-hmm. And so that one mom or that one dad is working two, three jobs. So, and I can't even blame the parents because they're doing the best that they can. Um, for example, my mom was in college and working a full-time job when I was younger. So I think I saw my mom in the middle of the night and maybe in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And she was doing, because she was a single mom at that time, doing what she had to do. And it doesn't reflect on bad parenting at all. Yeah. Because again, she was making sure that we had that I had what I needed uh, for school, for life, or just to be happy. She's doing what she was supposed to do. Um, but unfortunately, in this age and in this uh, time frame, because I didn't really grow up with social media. I'm like the last of the millennials, first of the <laughs> Gen Zs. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really have social media like, you know, or I didn't really have... Uh, Everybody didn't have game systems. We still had the big box uh, TDs at that time. The game systems were still, the graphics sucked at that point still. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't like my whole life devoted around that stuff. So I had to look to books. And then I had to look to my extended family as well to kind of raise me. The community, I was grew up in church. I said that earlier. Um, So that community raised me. Um, The school community, because I went to Countryside. So that was a really small school. Everybody knew everybody. So it took a community to get me here. Um, and unfortunately, so many other people don't have that community. Yeah. It's just them looking at social media. They're in their rooms all day um, playing the game, especially right now, now that we're uh, in a pandemic and everybody's supposed to be quarantining and stuff. What else am I going to do? Who's picking up a book anymore? Like in their free time. Why would I? I have... Facebook, I have YouTube, I have Instagram, I have Twitter. Um, and if I'm bored with any of that, I have Fortnite. Mm. So why would I pick up a book? Why would I have these conversations with my grandmother? I think um, for the, my youngest sister, I think for the longest time, she didn't even know that my grandmother was the only child. But this is because we're not having these conversations, but we mm. don't really have to have these conversations. Because for what? Everybody's so busy doing their own thing. And this goes back to the grandparent, young grandparents still trying to live their life. This goes to the parents still trying to live their life. This goes into so many other topics, I guess, because everybody is doing them. And there's no sense of communal accountability. Wow. I'm even thinking about... um not having these conversations, not having these important conversations, even hearing kids call home and say, um, cause working a lot with kids with their, with their FAFSA and trying to get them in school, not mm-hmm. knowing, I'm like, we're not having a lot of conversations inside of the home. And, and I even felt like for me, hearing some of the conversations that we were waiting to have at the senior year, it's like, dang, maybe I should have been having this conversation with them their freshman year. Maybe we would have been a little bit further along. But calling home to ask your mom what her birthday is? Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I would bust them out in front of the parent, like, you don't, you, don't, you don't know when your mama's birthday is? For real? You don't, you don't know how old your mama is? No? I mean, RJ, think about it. The parents are still running off to Las Vegas or something like that every time their birthday come around. Mm. So the kid wouldn't even be able to experience birthdays with their parents because they're still trying to live their best life. What do we do? <laughs> Listen, I think it starts with having conversations like these. Yeah, um, big time. Because I think that a lot of these things we don't even think about mm-hmm. until we have to think about it. Um, a lot of times we have these conversations when someone dies mm-hmm. or something catastrophic happens in life. That's when we start to have these conversations. Um, but in have these conversations on the daily. Yeah. Like, uh, we just had Thanksgiving. Um, my family, we talked about what's going on in everybody's life. I have a very busy life. I'm tra- or Normally, I would be traveling a lot um, for work. I have 15 trillion jobs doing 15 trillion things all the time. Mm-hmm. So having that conversation with my family, like, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I believe what I believe. And that then opens the door for those conversations. Like, I think Thanksgiving, we talked about how uh, convicted felons can now vote. And we talked about uh, the important, importance of, like, uh, social change and really important, crucial conversations mm. that all took place because we were forced to sit at a table together without <laughs> our phones. Yeah. Because if I had my phone, baby, I would have been on <laughs> TikTok, Instagram, something. Yeah, we have a no phones rule when it comes to Thanksgiving, uh, at least, or when we're all at the table together. Yeah. Um, so we ain't about to sit here awkwardly and stare at each other. <laughs> so we gonna talk about something. <laughs> you still got ten toes, like something. Yeah, I love that. Well, I know one of my friends enforces that when we go out to eat, we have to all put our phone in the in the corner and the first person that grabs their phone before the bill comes has to pay for everybody's meal. So, you know, we ain't touching that phone. I love that. We're not touching that <laughs> phone. She's like, Oh no, you, well, my kids might call. Okay. The, who they with? They with their other parent. Oh, okay. They fine. Child, just put that phone right over there. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. And it's so crazy, RJ, because I find myself falling into that same trap. Like, I'll be on my, oh, this is work. I gotta, feel like, put your phone down. There's a, um, and this is not an endorsement or sponsorship or anything like that, but there's a, <laughs> there's a show on Netflix or a movie or something, documentary on Netflix um, that's talking, I can't think of the name right now, but it's basically talking about unplugging. And it's um, a whole bunch of creators of these apps that we're addicted to, because that's what it is, an addiction. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about how they don't even use these apps or they turned their notifications off, or um, they left the company because they thought it was unethical what mm. they were doing. Mm. And I, after watching that, RJ, I totally had to really sit and like sit in that. Um, so I turned off my notifications. I don't need a ding every time because it it's an um, endorphin rush. Every time I hear a ding, every time I hear a, a like sound, I'm like, oh, I need to check my phone. And yeah. then it it feeds into that addiction. Um, and imagine if you're having this during your developmental stages mm. as a kid. 
you're growing up with these things. You're growing up with these cash app tones. You're, gro- you're growing up with these things. And mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to see the studies on, um, on how this affects us long term. I know, like I said, I didn't grow up with these things, um, with a whole bunch of technology or a whole bunch of like apps or anything like that. But even now, as an adult, I find myself having a shorter attention span. Mm. There was a um, so I mostly work in politics, so I'm reading a um, a magazine that was talking about political stuff and um, the Trump versus uh, Biden stuff, and I love this stuff. Like I went to school for political science, like this is what I love. Yeah, but I was found myself having a hard time focusing on it, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, like when you have to keep rereading something because it's like, did I just read? What did yes, I just read? Yes, yes, yeah. Or yeah. I'm like, okay, hold on. I'm going to follow along with my finger because something's not connecting here. And I realized that's exactly what it was because every five seconds I'm like, oh, I wonder if somebody texted me. Oh, I wonder if I literally leave my phone in the other room sometimes, RJ, because as an adult, I still deal with this. So imagine mm. what our kids are dealing with. yeah. And it's not just uh, social media for them. It's the game systems. It's it's all of this. Um, Chelsea, she referenced how uh, in her community, or not in her community, because it's all the same community, but in her <laughs> neighborhood, uh, she's become, or not she, but most people have become desensitized to uh, the sounds of bullets, guns <sighs> being shot. But let's think about it. If I'm hearing it all day on the game, if I'm watching movies where mm. people are shooting, if I'm, I don't know, uh, on social media listening to a rapper's music video, and they're bang, 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 you know, of course, when I hear it down the street, I'm gonna just be like, oh, somebody just shot yeah. a gun. Yeah. I don't even think people drop down to the floor like they used to, honestly, because it's become so normal. It's just a sound now. We've become desensitized to it. So then imagine how that is affecting our kids' mental health, our kids' yeah. psyche, all of that. It all feeds into RJ. If we just had these conversations more often um, with everyone, listen, yeah. I feel like I feel like we could really change the world. Then it starts with the home. Yeah. Um, Kristen mentioned it. Jewel mentioned it. I haven't really referenced her a lot, but she, um, 77-year-old woman uh, who moved here to Benton Harbor, I think 40 plus years ago. Um, And she talks about how basically when she was raising her kids here, there was that sense of community. Mm. That if uh, Miss, what is her name? Miss B across the street if she would have saw uh, Jules' kids sneaking somebody in, she gonna say something. <laughs> yeah, and not just yeah. to Jules, she gonna say something to Kristen too. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what are you doing, little girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, blow your fast self down, something. <laughs> but now, RJ, <laughs> now what's happening is it's it's like a, almost a celebration of it. Like, oh, I see you, girl. You know, stuff like that now. Yeah. But again, if we had these conversations, it would, we would know, like, this isn't okay. And, hey, this is what happened to me 
when I had a kid at 18, 17, this is why you should probably wait. This is why you should probably focus on it. It's one thing to tell someone to do something, but it's a whole other thing to tell them why. Yeah. The why. And I think that we, and I think that we, because uh, I feel like you and I probably have similar backgrounds, maybe, <laughs> um, when it comes to, uh, and I think that we grew up where people just told us what to do and never really explained, like, this is why you shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, um, I know one of the popular parenting things is uh, let a kid touch a hot stove and they just won't do it again. Well, I wonder what would happen if instead of just being like, don't touch that, don't touch that. If we were like, hey, don't touch that, that's hot, that'll burn you. It's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And I know because I did it. Like, I wonder what would happen if we actually had, that's a dialogue right there in itself. Yeah. So again, a conversation saying, hey, I um, I know that Benson Harbor High School had a big thing with uh, graduations. Uh, I think it was last year, this year. Hey, this is what I did in high school. This is how it messed me up. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Yeah. Instead of make sure you do your homework as I slide out to go to the party <laughs> on Thursday, Wednesday night. Like, let's have these conversations. I um in my household, we had conversations. And my mom was very uh a little too blunt for my life. <laughs> Listen, I'm like, baby girl, you too old to be saying stuff. <laughs> like that you can't be using the same lingo that I'm using come on now (laughs) but but she had we had those conversations my dad is the same way we have those conversations in our house um and I as Kristen mentioned I did grow up in a two-parent household Mm -hmm. a loving parent household that that and that definitely makes a difference it makes a difference in um love we talk about influence and leadership and stuff and i think that love in itself is a huge part of that yeah because we're looking to again social media and outside sources to be loved and so we're looking to leadership and whoever is influencing love at that time so i know uh let me see who do i know i do not do celebrity people like that <laughs> uh, let's say so I'm trying to think of uh, a popular celebrity couple right now. Uh, oh, De'Aaron and Ken. They are a young couple. Um, they were made famous from YouTube. So we're looking to people like them for these uh, fairy tale love stories. And they're just showing <laughs> that part of themselves. Yeah. Uh, there's a saying that says uh, social media is just the highlight reel. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing their trips to Bali. We're seeing their trips to uh, Mexico, Cancun, all that. We're seeing all that. But we're not seeing when they're arguing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the big house that they just bought at 23, 24. But we're not seeing. So (laughs) then that affects how we're perceiving love. Because, again, excuse me, most of us didn't grow up in a two-parent household. So when I think of love, listen... RJ, <laughs> my parents fell in love in high school um, from my dad throwing, no, I think it was my mom. One of them threw a milk carton at each other. <laughs> and my mom was ready to fight. 
the church girl, the pastor's daughter, ready to fight. So when I think of love, I think of stuff like that. And not abusive at all. <laughs> let's let's clear that up. I don't want that to be a misconception. Yeah. Um, but just that's how their love started. And so to this day, uh, again, that referencing Thanksgiving, um, my dad said something and she's like, boy, do you not know I'll lay you out? Mind <laughs> you, my dad is a six foot something huge man. Um, and it was just like, oh, like, I can't wait to have this. Yeah. So I have that example of what it actually looks like. So I don't, again, my mom, I mean, uh, Kristen said it, she didn't have to look to outside sources because she had it in the home. She didn't have in the home, she had it in her church community. She had it in communities that she was a part of. So again, it goes right back to that sense of community. If I, if we see black love, we don't have to look outside of our communities. Yeah. If we're seeing uh, black entrepreneurship, we don't have to look at, um, I don't know, uh, what's his name? I can't even think of the boy's name right now. Um, but we don't have to look at people like that who have these huge businesses that looks like it came overnight because it's only on social media. And you can't have a conversation with, man, I wish I could remember his name right now. He uh, he has the whole like sweatsuit line basically. And he's become like super rich and famous off of it. He's like 21 maybe. Um, but again, he's posting, yeah, you know, the, he's right he's posting you know, all the packages and the big warehouse and he's posting all this but you're not seeing all the times he failed you're not seeing all the times that he's uh fumbled the bag if you will what, yeah. that's what the young folks would say fumbled the bag i feel young and hip <laughs> when i say things like that um we're not seeing that so we have to look at it outside of our community because we don't see it in our community and if we do see it we're not having those conversations. And I'm not really sure who it's on to start the conversation. I'm not sure if the young person should reach out to the people in the community that they do see that are doing those things, mm -hmm. or if the people who are doing them should reach out to the young people. Either way it goes, it needs to be done. Either way it goes, we need to start having these conversations. Uh, I wanna shout out uh, Alloy, uh, Black, Black man, man. Hmm. Alloy Black man. Um, I've mentioned for the Minter Harbor Promise at one point. We had those conversations. Mm -hmm. I uh, I remember one day I went in for work, and we sat in her office for at least a good hour or so, and she's telling me about like all the stuff that she's done, and how many times she's messed up, and you know her struggles in the beginning being a black person in the professional world the things that she's messed up on and, you know, just people like that, having those conversations. Cause that one of the conversations that uh, we had, she told me to just start saying yes to opportunities. Mm. And RJ, when I say that, that changed my life, it changed my life. I was an optician um, for about a year and I'm like, I want to go back to school because I want to change the world. Um, and from there, having that conversation with Alloy, then it went to uh, someone mentioned an organization called the Organizing Corps 2020. And I'm like, I have no qualifications. 
I don't know nothing. But I'm going to apply because uh, Alloy said just start saying yes. So <laughs> yeah. I applied, RJ, and I got accepted. I got accepted. Um, that was one of the best times of my life. They flew me to uh, Atlanta for training for a week. Then they uh, moved me over to Detroit. So I got to work and serve there. Um, met some amazing people. I uh, did a concert. Well, I didn't perform, but I got to talk on the same stage as uh, Sada Baby, who's a rapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ice Cube. I ran into Ice Cube. That's my first time meeting Kamala Harris. Um, I got to go to the National NAACP convention. Um, man, I went to the first two debates, presidential debates. Um, there I sat next to like uh, Charles Barkley, um, like these big name people. I was sitting behind uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, um, like these huge people, all because I said yes. Mm-hmm. Then a few weeks later, um, an opportunity opened up for something called Arena Academy. And all this is in the political realm that I love. Yeah. Um, an opportunity opened there. And I'm like, I'm going to say yes. Mind you, this is something that I think you pay over like thousands of dollars to have to get into. They put you into the best hotels. They train you like with the top professionals in the field. Like it's a whole thing. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm going to apply because we saying yes. Yes. Um, and from there, they were like, okay, we'll give you a partial, partial scholarship to do this. So they paid for, I think it was my hotel. And they was like, but you got to pay for the flight. And I'm like, I mean, I can do it, but do I want to? Mm-hmm. No. Um, um, so I wrote them again. It was like, hey, um, I really want to do this. Y'all got another ticket, another plane ticket. Um, and they're like, I think it was like, write us something and we'll send you one. So again, I'm okay, yes, I got you. So then I wrote it and sent it and they're like, all right, we're sending you a plane ticket. So again, another opportunity of saying yes. And that Arena Academy has opened up so many doors now. I've mentioned it in interviews or in a um, anything professional. And they're like, you did that? Mm-hmm. Mind you, everybody that was running for president um, at one point, I think it was like nine or 10 people, all of their top uh, staff came from Arena. Mind you, I was like 20, 21, I think, maybe 22, doing these things, RJ. I um, (laughs) worked on a presidential campaign, making crazy money. I think it was, if not, Six figures, almost six figures, RJ, because I said yes. And this all stemmed from having a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's, man, and that I will tell it everywhere I go from every mountaintop. Have those conversations, those uncomfortable conversations, those funny conversations, those loving conversations. Have those conversations. And I think that's why this platform is so crucial. And that's, again, why I wanted to do it. Because it, even having these conversations with Kristen, Chelsea, um, Delisha, we didn't really mention her, but uh, her, um, Jewel, uh, I can't think of the last person right now, but having these conversations, it kind of reinvigorated, excuse me, everything that I had already believed in. It made me want to fight even harder. It made me grow as a person having these conversations. And I think 
one of them said it like I hadn't even thought of these things before mm-hmm. and I've lived here my whole life I just kind of accepted what it was and I think a lot of us do that we just accept um, our community the way that it is and then it turns into a oh I'm gonna just move out because can't nobody be successful here it turns into a oh I have this business and it's going cute right now uh, I know some people that do hair they it's oh, it's going good. So now I'm going to move off to Kalamazoo or I'm going to move off to Grand Rapids and not shading anything that they, uh, Grand Rapids or, you know, uh, Kalamazoo because I actually live in Grand Rapids right now. Um, But we can and will be successful in our own city. Mm -hmm. We have the capacity to be great here. And that's why I personally pour so much into my city and why, why I will forever rep the 269, uh, 49022 uh, zip code and area code. Like, yeah. listen, I tell people I'm from Michigan. They, oh, Detroit? No. Mm-mm. Flint? No. No. So where are you from? Because those are the only two places. I'm from Benton Harbor. And, oh, oh. and then people love RJ. If they know of the area, they'll, you mean Benton Harbor? No, it's been 10 hard. Yeah. Put some respect on our day because we got some greatness coming out of here. Yeah. Like, what's up? I rep my set. Come on. <laughs> so, really, the power, when we talk about the power or the impact that could be on the 49022 is in having conversations because I just feel like so many people have not been having them. So many people haven't been having them. Yeah. They've been sitting on these conversations and we just need to have more of them. Yeah, we're too busy. <laughs> so I had to take a drink on that one. Listen. <laughs> so is it safe to say that your biggest takeaway from these conversations is that we just need to have more of them? Yes, that's it. Just have more conversations. Uriah, is there anything else you wanted to say? Because when I tell you, I have enjoyed you today. Um, I don't, I don't really think so. I feel like I listen. My biggest uh, thing was that we should have more conversations. Um, so I think I beat that to the ground. Um, <laughs> I think that everyone who listens to this will have a conversation with somebody, whether it's to say how much I talked um, <laughs> or that what I complete foolishness um, or to say that it was some much needed, no matter what happens. Uh, I think that this conversation will spark other conversations and that's what needs to happen. So if we all just keep having conversations, everyone will keep having conversations like a smile. If you smile, it's contagious. Yeah. So I'm going to smile and then you're going to smile and then the next yeah. person is going to smile because they come in contact with us. So let's just keep having these conversations with everyone we come in contact with. Mm. Well, I think that's that's how we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Uriah. We would, be, we would actually love to have you back for another conversation. Listen, I am always willing to have these conversations. I love them. This was so much fun. Um, I'm inspired. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. So this actually wraps up this episode.
of the Please Do Tell podcast special series with stories from Ben Harbor on influence, leadership, and power. And we'll see you next time. Woo woo. So good, right? So good, Uriah. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special series as we continue this conversation on influence, leadership, and power during the series of Everyday People in the 49022. So you have to come back next week when we travel to another part of town and we, sp- we speak to Pastor Jaime and he talks about the special community that is also within the 49022 that sometimes doesn't get the recognition that they deserve. So we will see you next week.